Pubcast. Instead of thinking of it as a feminine and masculine, you know, maybe if you think about it as yin and yang, and I'm in the I'm in the yin position in my relationship, just share from my experience. But one of the things it's taught me is that um, we give the yang purpose. Welcome to the Liberated Healer Podcast, where we touch on a variety of topics in the world of spirituality, energetic healing, and everything in between and beyond. Take an adventure on a shooting star with your hosts, Gina and Linnea, offering their wisdom, guidance, and everlasting love and support. Hi, everybody. Uh, This is Gina Cavalier. This is the Liberated Healer Podcast. And, you know, something that really affects us a lot are relationships, right? So we have Laura Doyle on, and she is a relationship expert, best-selling author and podcaster. She has a great podcast. I've listened to a few of them. Um, And she is talking about how she thought she was the perfect wife until she actually got married. (laughs) And then when she told her husband uh, what to do, how to be more romantic, and things were not working, she almost came up front with divorce until she started asking some very successful couples, what do you do? And she found her true passion that has set her on a trajectory to create the Empowered Wife and also an updated version of the Empowered Wife that you can get on. I've been listening on Audible. So welcome, Laura Doyle, to our podcast. Hi. Thanks, Gina. It's great to be here. Well, um, why don't we just launch into a little bit about, I opened it, but about how you got here and why it's so important to you and how you found your life purpose into helping other people just realize that they have more control than they think that they do in making a great relationship. Yeah. Well, uh, like you said, I just couldn't understand why my husband didn't want to spend any time with me, even though a lot of our conversations revolved around how I thought he could improve, how he could (laughs) be more ambitious and more romantic and tidier. And um, we ended up with just wall to wall hostility and, um, a lot of cold wars too, where there's just no talking mm. for days, but there was a lot of tension. And I knew exactly what to do because everyone knows if you can't even have a conversation without having to fight, then you it's time to go to marriage counseling, right? So I dragged him to marriage counseling. He wasn't too excited about it, but I thought, well, I need the marriage counselor to tell him everything he's doing wrong so he can fix it so that I can finally be happy in my marriage because I, I really wanted that very badly. And, and I thought that's how things worked, but um, of course that's not how they work at all. And I remember we went for over a year to marriage counseling and we spent uh, like $9,000 and this was decades ago. So that was a lot of money. And I remember sitting on the counselor's gray couch when I realized that my marriage was actually hopeless because mm-hmm. we we're too far apart. And I was either going to have to get divorced or spend the rest of my life in a loveless relationship. So I decided I was going to get divorced. It seemed like the best option. Yeah. And um, there was just one problem, which is that I was, I was too embarrassed. I mean, people had been to the wedding not that many years before, and I just didn't want to lose status like that and let people know that it didn't work out. So I decided I would do this thing where I'd interview 
the women had been married for what seemed like an eternity, which was 15 years. I'm like, oh my gosh, but you can make it for 15 years, then um, maybe you know something. And they told me things that sounded kooky. I was like, mm, that's crazy. I was like, mm, got anything else? I don't, I'm not doing that. And but I, I was desperate. Fortunately, mm. I was desperate. And I thought, I'm going to just experiment with these ideas because I got nothing to lose. And I remember I would just like try things. And if it worked, I kept it. If it didn't, I just threw it out. And I remember I was um, not that long afterwards walking uh, into my front door, like after work, just coming home. And my husband saw me and his face lit up. Mm. He was happy to see me again. And that had been gone. So I knew something happened. <laughs> like something's going on here. Like I'm on to something. And I was super excited. I thought, okay, now I know what to do to have the kind of marriage I dreamed I was going to have when I said I do. And so we're not going to have those big fights anymore. We're not going to have those cold wars. And this is going to be great. And then not that long after that, we were in the car and we had one of those big blow ups again where I was saying, horrible, mean things to him. And he was saying horrible, mean things too. And I knew I was going to regret saying a lot of those things. And I was really crushed because I'd been so hopeful that wasn't going to happen. And then it happened. So I knew what to do, but I couldn't get myself to do it. So I had this idea that if I could get my girlfriends to get on board with me, like if we had a little support group, uh, maybe that would work, right? So I, I did. We got like five of us in my living room. I just got my girlfriends that were complaining about their marriages, and we started to see miracles. Like one of them said, "My husband won the sales contest at work, and he took <laughs> on the most romantic getaway of our lives." And then another one, I know, another one said, "Well, you guys aren't going to think this is a big deal, but we've been fighting for months about him painting the family room." Well, he got up and he painted the family room and he did it with a smile. This is a miracle. <laughs> so we knew there was something happening. And one of the women said, hey, can you write down what we're doing for my cousin in Florida? She wants to know about it, too. And I said, sure, you know, I'll do that. And I did. I wrote that down. That became um, my first book, which went directly to the New York Times bestseller list. It was published in 19 languages in 30 countries. And. Uh, when Dateline did an expose, like an investigation, they didn't, it wasn't always murders back then. They did other kinds of investigations and it went to number one on Amazon. It was like the number one book on all of Amazon. And um, now, you know, uh, many uh, hundreds of thousands of women have used these uh, six intimacy skills to fix their marriage. So um, I didn't ever intend for this to happen. I was just trying to get my own marriage out of a ditch. Uh, but now it's just a, a great joy and a blessing to be on a mission to end world divorce. And I like that you said the word mission, and I want to bring it up quickly, even though it's a little bit of a sideways thing, because I find a lot of people are stuck in things that they somehow got stuck into like a job or a career that, you know, maybe their parents did it or, you know, you just thought it was going to be like a college thing. And then, you know, but you... Uh, you found something you were passionate about and you created a whole other career based on it. And every day you wake up and you're, and there's a fire when it's something you love. 
So yeah. I like to just call attention to that because people go, how do you find that thing that you're meant to, I mean, you, you didn't know when you were a kid that, that you were going to be focused on this. Right. And it's brought you so much joy and reward. So it's, but you have to take little baby steps into that direction. Yeah. You know? That's right. That's right. And I think interestingly, I think as a kid, I dreamed of being a writer. I thought I'm going to be a writer. And, uh, I majored in journalism in college, right? And I look at that now, I'm like, wow, the way I got here was I interviewed those happily married women, um, I think kind of as a journalist in a way, like the way a journalist is trying to get to the, the story. And so some of those decisions, I think, did serve me well. I didn't really know what was in store. Um, but you're absolutely right that there, there's nothing better than waking up every day like, oh my gosh, okay, what am I going to do today? For It's almost like a video game I'm playing, like, you know, like how many women can we serve today? Or, you know, yeah. how many, how can we reach more women in Australia today? Or, you know, like starting the podcast or starting a relationship coach training school. And now I have um, over, well, over a hundred coaches uh, who are also like trained to support women in implementing these six intimacy skills. And they're a great source of joy. They're my favorite people in the world. Uh, so you're right. It's, uh, there's nothing like just feeling the passion pulling you towards the work that you want to do versus thinking, okay, I've got to, got to pay the, the rent. So, you know, like now what do I do? And um, you focus a lot of your attention. I mean, you're a woman, so you focus a lot of attention on being the wife and stuff, but this also could go for other other partners, partnerships and things like that. But but in case, because you're speaking about yourself a lot of the time that you talk about being a wife, but it's also really any kind of partnership, correct? You know, um, one of the things that's been kind of illuminating about this is, um, and I, uh, early on in my journey, an Eastern uh, a comparative religious studies student, I guess, was explaining to me about the difference between yin and yang. And he was saying, look, uh, the yin gives the yang purpose. And he gave me the example. He goes, every object has yin and yang, like this, my coffee cup, right? It has this yang part is the ceramic part, the structure and the handle. That's the yang. And the yin is this part that can hold the coffee. Because now if you think about a coffee cup that couldn't hold coffee, it would have no purpose. Mm. And so it's been interesting. Instead of thinking of it as a feminine and masculine you know, maybe if you think about it as yin and yang, and I'm in the I'm in the yin position in my relationship, uh, and so you're right. I do just share from my experience, but one of the things it's taught me is that um, we give the yang purpose, and uh, and by doing so, uh, because of that, the nature of that, I actually had more power in my relationship. I was the keeper of my relationship, and I had. No idea. I thought, no, I don't have the power. Are you kidding? I'm the victim here. He's the one that's like watching TV constantly and doesn't want to spend time with me and, you know, isn't, won't help me clean up, won't do any of the things that I want him to do. Um, and it turns out actually uh, that I was blocking a lot of the things that um, my husband did want to do for me uh, because I was, uh, I was full of resentment and bitterness. And um, anyway, so it's been, uh, so when you say, well, it could go, go to any relationship. I want to say yes. 
but it's the, it seems to be that the yin is the keeper of the relationships, at least in my experience. And then for many of the thousands of women that have come to our campus and been able to fix their marriages and heal them, even when they seemed hopeless, um, they find the same thing is true for them. I love that. Yeah. Thank you for explaining that. I, I am just fully uh, enveloping and feeling the yin um, and, and the yang and how that works. And you even mentioned before that, you know, we are, uh, the yin is the gatekeepers of, you know, of sex, of when we get married, who we get married to. And I really didn't think about that before until I was listening to your book on Audible, which I love. Um, but um, yeah, we have a lot more power that we're, you know, you know, taking on. And um, do you have a part, I didn't get to the part, but do you have a part where, um, like you were saying, you were constantly trying to get them to be, it's almost like you were pushing agenda. Like I, this is the agenda I want. This is the man I want. I want them to do this, not play video games, you know, yeah. uh, da, 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 right. Is that a, but in that journey, is that sort of like demasculinating a man. Right. And is that a part where you talk about some of that? Yeah. I mean, I think a great um, metaphor for the whole relationship really is sex. Let's talk about sex really, because um, one of the embarrassing things I used to do was I would stand with my hands on my hips. Like he's watching TV. Right. And I'm like, trying to talk to him, and he's not listening to me. He's like turning up the volume. So he can still hear a show or something. I had my hands on the hips. I'd be like, you know, the average couple has sex two and a half times per week. And we haven't done it in like three weeks. So I think we should do it. And I thought he was just like, jump off the couch and like sweep me into the bedroom. And then off we go with some incredible passion. And that never happened, Gina, as you already know, that never happened because that is not how it works. Right. So, um, and what I have since um, discovered is that uh, the yin is actually uh, about receptivity. You know, the essence of femininity is receptivity, right? So here I am um, being like, uh, I guess you could say aggressive or assertive or whatever it is, like um, kind of the protagonist uh, uh, trying to get things rolling. And it just, it wasn't effective. It wasn't attractive to him at all. Um, and now uh, I t- take an entirely different approach. I'm just like, you know, I'm I'm available. You know, I might be in the mood. I might signal that I'm in the mood with a certain outfit or lack of outfit or, you know, and that is like super um, attractive to him because men are fundamentally attracted to uh, the feminine mind, body, and spirit, right? It's not, it's not just uh, our, our looks that they're attracted to. It's, it's the whole package. And since receptivity is the essence of that, like the better receiver I am actually, the more attractive I am. Uh, And so it's not a passive state. I think people get confused thinking like you just have to like wait for him to uh, get something going. And um, that's not my experience at all. My experience is, again, I've got all the power. I'm the gatekeeper, but also, yeah, I'm the one that gets to decide if I'm in the mood or whatever. Um, But I can also be an irresistible magnet to my husband. And that's much more interesting than what I used to do. Another embarrassing story, which was to be like, you know, I want to talk about, and I would read this from other relationship experts that you were supposed to do this. So I thought it was totally cool, but it it never really was. But I really, I have a deep concern about your lack of affection. Like you are not a very physically affectionate person. And I think you need to really work on this. And like, that didn't work either. Right. That, And then if he did like 
hold my hand or something, I think like, oh my God, he's doing this because I just told him he should do it. And what I really wanted was for him to want to, to desire me, to want to sit right next to me uh, or sweep me into the bedroom and, um, you know, make passionate love to me. So it, it was, uh, you know, it was kind of unfortunate. It was a dead end to really ask for his affection. And I made that mistake for a lot of years and it was really painful. So I'm so happy um, that I've got some better ways to, now I never even think about that because I'll just be passing him in the hall and he'll grab me at the waist and pull me in for a kiss um, just because he happened to see me. So that's yeah. Much better scenario. Yeah, and, and um, you know, counselors, you were you were saying that why should I go to somebody that um, that you found out was already having a hard time in their relationships, and and it is scary and it's embarrassing. And um, people go in and they're like, "Am I going to come down on me for every little thing I do?" And there is other options, and that's like what you provide, and then you know, the, the counselor thing is kind of a scary thing, I would say. And, you know, it can go on forever and ever, ever. It's one hour a week usually. So what do you do the rest of the time? And now it, it just seems so unnatural to me that it's like 60 minutes are up. Okay, bye. And then you just like ignited a fire under someone. And now they have to go home and deal with <laughs> You just let everything on fire and they're, and now you're like, we'll see you next week. And it, that model just seems very. Like, no wonder we were having a big fight in the car on the way home from the counselors. Right. So yeah. I'll tell you another story about this. So it didn't, marriage counseling obviously didn't work for me and it hasn't worked for a lot of my students either. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you the story of Kathy Murray, who uh, she was on her second marriage and it was struggling. They were sleeping in separate beds for six months and she was going to counseling uh, by herself because he wouldn't go. Uh, once a week, she would go to this counselor and complain about her husband, Doug, <laughs> for an hour a week, which, by the way, no one ever got happier that way, right? Like, write this down, okay? This doesn't work. To complain about your spouse for an hour a week never made anybody happier. So, um, but then she, uh, so she got a, a hold of my first book and uh, she, she read it. She was away for the weekend at her mom's. And then she came back and she thought, I'm going to experiment with this. And uh, in the book, we, I propose a lot of cheat phrases that you can use kind of the way you teach kids to say please and thank you, right? You're kind of trying to cultivate a grateful heart. So she lashed on to one of these cheat phrases. And the first, one of the first things her husband said to her was, uh, um, you got to tell me what you want me to do with the cell phone plan. And she was the CF, CFO, chief financial officer of a huge prestigious private school. So she's managing, you know, I don't know, it was like many millions of dollars. And she was trying to help her husband also be a little better with the finances at home. Um, but she decided to just pull, pull out this cheap phrase. And so she said to him, um, instead of like maybe saying, okay, well, let me take a look. Okay, let's, you know, whatever. She said, uh, you know what, Doug, um, whatever you think, whatever you think. And he looked at her kind of funny, like, wait, no, I, I don't want to be in trouble later when I, I don't do it the way you want me to. So you, you got to tell me, he goes, you got to tell me what you want me to do. And she goes, whatever you think, she just repeated it. And then she added, I trust you. Mm. So Doug went away and handled the cell phone plan and she was nervous. He was going to maybe spend too <laughs> much money, right. Or he was going to get crummy service, but he didn't, he did fine. 
Of course. So, and he came to her that night. Yeah, he wasn't an idiot. She didn't marry an idiot. Yeah. Right? So he came to her that night. He put his hand on her shoulder and he said, you are so nice today. Mm-hmm. And they ended up, tears rolled down her cheeks, she said, as he said this. They slept in the same bed that very night. And the next day she fired her counselor and she came to train with me. And that was over 20 years ago. And she still gets tears in her eyes when she talks about how magical her marriage is now, how tragic it would have been to throw it out just because no one had ever shown her the intimacy skills. Like it wasn't, wasn't offered at her school and her parents are divorced. My parents are divorced. A lot of parents are divorced, right? Where are we supposed to learn these skills? But just from that one skill, just that one cheat phrase, you know, divorce was off the table and they were sleeping in the same bed again. So yeah, we see there's just a lot of power and um, I mean, who would have thought like the women with actual happy marriages would know the secrets to having an actual happy marriage, right? Yeah, that's amazing. Um, of course, first of all, we just would love to see people, you know, have happy life and people that are stuck in something that's not working. And then there's all the fear of splitting up finances and kids, especially, and being alone. People are so afraid of being alone. And and now they're not living fulfilling lives and that just trickles into all the people around them. And, you know, so you, you kind of have to be brave and find other options that, you know, and, and take accountability. And that is definitely not an easy thing to do. I mean, I, nobody likes it. No, <laughs> not a single person no. likes to say, Oh yeah, I'm kind of like, I do that. And, you know, things like that. Yeah. I would love my husband to, um, I'm not married right now. I've been married twice and I just got out of a three year relationship. And I kind of wish that even though we weren't married, I still wish I had gotten your book before that. Um, because to me, it doesn't have to be a marriage like on paper. It's like we were together in a relationship, you know, and this would have been really helpful before we split. Um, you know, I've, missed the little window there, but I just kind of wanted to say that it doesn't have to be a marriage. It could just be an intimate relationship that you need help with. Um, but I, I, what your, your scenario is very much the scenario I was in. It was like, Oh, I guess I'll have to take care of all the bills. You know, I guess I'll have to. And then I would like, you know, it creeps in and like conversations when you're fighting. Well, I'm the one that does that. And I'm the one that does this. But you're also the one taking taking it, yeah, exactly. you know. So yeah, because I was a control, I was a control freak, and you know, for me, um, one of the things that's been interesting about uh, this, you know, kind of falling into this job, falling over backwards into this job, <laughs> is um, uh, early on I started by telling women uh, that they could fix just about anything. I knew because I knew we had fixed, like we had verbal abuse going on at my house yeah, and that completely cleared up. So I was like, we can fix a lot of things, but I was like kind of scared if they said they had um, like physical abuse or like uh, lots of cheating or um, active addiction to alcohol or drugs or gambling or something. So I was like, okay, in those situations, you got to leave. Right. And then I just had the, the biggest mea culpa years later because women would say like, okay, you know, I'm in one of those situations and I'm not going to leave. I have uh, four kids and I, you know, I want to keep our family together, even though it's, you know, I've got these, these big challenges and they would apply the skills and, oh my gosh, they not only fixed their marriages, but they made those marriages 
amazing. They made them safe again. They like, uh, I mean, I, I interviewed one husband on my podcast who his wife um, started with the skills. They were like right on the verge of divorce and he was drinking himself silly. And she was telling him he was an alcoholic and he was like, yeah, well, let me, you know, I'll show you, I'm going to like drink more. And yeah. then part of the intimacy skills. And when I was interviewing him, he's like, yeah, I'm 18 months sober. I've lost 80 pounds. Like it was crazy. So I had to really eat my words and say like, oh, you know what? You're the expert. You are always the expert on your own life. And your relationship is, um, is kind of, a, I think of it as a dojo, right? Like I did not want to be accountable. Just like you said, Gina, I was at the marriage counseling session so she could fix him, not me. I was like the dutiful wife. I was doing great. You know, I was all perfect. Right? <laughs> and, um, you know, I was never going to walk through that door, Mark. Self-reflection and accountability and humility. And um, until I was, I had the wisdom of no escape of, uh, you know, a divorce I didn't want. And um, anyway, I, I, I'm glad I did because it's been the best self-improvement project I've ever been on. But uh, for me, when you talk about your relationship where you, you already broke up and it's like, it's over. It's like, wow, for, for me, it's not too late. We see couples where um, they got full on 100% fully divorced. I interviewed a, a guest in my podcast that she got completely divorced and then she was showing off her new ring and she's like, and look, we got remarried. skills And practicing them. So like never say die. I never say die anymore because um, it's sort of, it's like that, uh, quote, uh, always see the possibilities for they are, are always there. And I want to say that was Zig Ziglar that said that, but I, that doesn't sound quite right. But anyway, someone said it, it wasn't me. Uh, but I love that there's, there's always a possibility for healing a relationship. Um, when you just learn the right skills that probably no one ever taught you. And also if there is going to be a divorce, is there a way that, um, it can be communicated in a way that's still kind and, and, you know, compassionate because that's, you know, obviously people change and maybe they're no longer fit or for whatever the reason is. But I, that's one reason why I, I do these kind of talks is, you know, isn't there, is there a way that it, yes, we, we can control how bad it gets, how nasty it gets. Like, can't we, even if there was betrayal and, you know, there's a reason you came together. Is there a way to leave a little nicer? And I mean, in this world that we're dealing with today, they're just, we have conflict all around us. Yes. People are so set to just react right now. And that's why I bring it up is like, even in any relationship, you know, it's just like, or even sometimes just an interaction between two people, yeah. you know, you didn't get what you want in that business meeting or whatever, or you're feeling like somebody's shading you or whatever. It's, you know, we have so much power to just relax, calm down. We don't have to be reactionary to everything. And we'll let, it'll help all our relationships. Yeah. You know, it's so true. And it, it and you, you raise a good point, right? It's really not about marriage. Uh, relationships. This is where I learned the intimacy skills, but now I use them with everybody. I use them with my team. I use them with contractors, a, like a, a customer service rep, uh, you know, my sisters, my parents, like everybody I'm interacting with my friends because um, I, I want to um, uh, 
feel dignified, first of all, right? And this is a great way for me to honor myself, honor my desires and um, really be true to myself uh, without demeaning anybody else, without uh, shrieking like I used to. Uh, it's embarrassing. You know, I used to be a full on rager and, you know, the poor sales clerks and bank tellers that are, you know, my husband that got in the way of that it was um, not pretty. You know, I just would rip up one side and down the other with the intention to do harm with my words. Yeah. I'm not proud of that at all, but uh, learning um, some of the, it's like one of the techniques that we teach that um, I feel like every woman needs to have is uh, how to express your desires in a way that inspires. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I mean, it, 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 well, I mean, not what you know, <laughs> but you know, if, you know. Training, if your previous training, my previous training was uh, to complain about what I didn't want. And if you don't ever say what you want, you never can get what you want. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, in fact, I have a, a, a really sad story about going to Hawaii with my husband uh, before we were married. Even he took us on a romantic getaway and I was super excited to go to the beach. I wanted to go to the beach. But instead of saying that, I said, uh, what do you want to do today? And he said, let's go see a volcano. And I was like, oh, a volcano. Okay, fine. I thought, I'm just going to suck it up. I'll go see the volcano because I don't want to have a fight about this. I want to be close. So we get in the car and we're driving. It's the long drive. You don't see a volcano for a while. And <laughs> I start to kind of get upset. Like, well, this is a waste. And he, he notices something's wrong. He's like, is everything okay? You know, and I'm like, did you think this would be fun? Because I think it's stupid. I didn't want to go see a volcano. But you didn't even ask me what I wanted to do. I wanted to go to the beach. So he saw a volcano, all right. I probably intended to see. And um, I just feel sad for that earlier version of me who didn't know. All I had to say was, I would love to go to the beach. You know, he took me to the beach after that, even though I behaved so badly, because it turns out he just wanted me to be happy. And I've asked thousands of men, you know, how important is it to you that your wife or girlfriend is happy? And they all said the same thing, like, oh, it's very important or it's the most important thing. In the UK, they say it's imperative. You know, some men say it's everything. So this seems to be a universal thing that men really want to make women happy. If only they knew what we would love. And if we express that clearly without criticism, without manipulation, without complaint. Uh, So an example is I used to say to my husband also, I'd say, John, this kitchen is a disaster area. And I, again, I thought he was going to jump off the couch and start cleaning the kitchen and that just never happened. So, um, and I have a theory that no one can really hear us when we're complaining. It's kind of like the peanuts parents, right? They hear this John or whatever. Um, so finally I learned this formula, this magical formula, which I would love to just impart to everyone, um, which is I would love, And then you fill it in with the final outcome, just the final outcome. So I would love just the final outcome. If you're in a position to write that down, write that down. You need this formula. It's, it's imperative, right? To have it as a, as a woman, as anyone really to to explain what you would love. And, and uh, I said, finally, I would love a clean kitchen. And my husband said, okay, I'll clean it. And he did. 
And that was over 20 years ago. And he's been doing it ever since. I never do the dishes. He does them every day. Why? It makes his wife happy. Yeah. What to do. He was happy to give me that. Wow. That's amazing. I love the stories. Thank you so much. Um, Yeah. That seems to make kind of perfect, easy sense. Yeah. That was uh, striking about the intimacy skills. They uh, are counterintuitive, I think. But then once you, once you try them on, you're like, yeah, why wouldn't I say what I would love instead of complaining so no one can hear me? That does seem like a better option, right? And they, and they all are along those lines. Like these are the things that happily married women do. And you think, well, maybe they just married better. I thought that. Maybe they just married better husbands, you know? No, they had a set of skills. And I wanted desperately to have them. Uh, and now that I have them, I tell you, they are all they're cracked up to be. Having a I'm marriage. so happy. Yeah. It's wonderful. We want to keep people together or, you know, in the best, you know. And also you said in your book that I took a note of um, that, you know, some of these old stories like, um, you know, don't ever go to bed angry. And you're like, well, no, why push it when you really might have just been tired or, you know, there's old what I'm saying is there, there's old things that we've been kind of, even if we were taught, kind of taught to, you know, so you're dispelling some of those old myths as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I love Phyllis Diller's joke about that, right? She's like, never go to bed angry, stay up and fight, right? Which is pretty much <laughs> like the alternative, right? So I get it. it's, it's biblical and there's, you know, there was probably, there's a little, I think, I think it's a little more nuanced than maybe uh, just, the idea that you just would stay up all night and try to work it out, right? There might be, a, you know, an, an alternative to staying angry. <laughs> that was, uh, that eluded me, certainly, and in the bad old days of my marriage where we used to stay up and fight. Yeah, and you said fighting is hurting. And um, if you're fighting more than you're enjoying, you know, you need to look at that. Um yeah, I mean, I know for me, like I looked at it and I just felt so stuck because I'm like, well, of course I'm fighting, of course, but it's it's not me, it's all him. It's yeah. definitely him, Gina. He was the problem. <laughs> all right. And um it wasn't until um I, you know, somebody had to show me some new possibilities. I needed I just needed new training. And um, and that's what I wish for every woman who wants to have an an amazing relationship, a shiny relationship where she feels like she's desired and she's adored and she's taken care of and she's cherished. You just need the skills. I want to get them to every woman's hands so she can have that too. It's her birthright. I feel it's every woman's birthright to have that. I do too. Let's bring it on. Let's bring it. Let's bring it. We need to just, yeah, help each other elevate. We got the skills. You know, we got great books. It's easy to, um, you know, Audible it was so easy. You know, I put it on my car. We all have times where, um, you know, we, we have a little bit of chunks of time, you know, and I just, I actually just really enjoyed it. And so I appreciate that. And so I'd love to just recommend anybody towards your book if, you know, that's something that they think can help them. Um, it is on the New York Times bestseller list, which is, Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations. I mean, something that you didn't know was going to turn into a lifelong passion and 
you know, you've been on Fox News and Dateline and Good Morning America and, you know, it's kept you busy and you're bringing love to Loveless Relate, you know, they didn't even know they had anymore and very simply and things that they can, they don't have to forget about it either, you know, they can just can simply go through that. And I know exactly what you're talking about because I know a lot of females, they're very controlling and they you know, they want to, they, they wind up taking on every single thing. And I, I, I'm speaking about myself too. I'm the same. This is, I've been trying to wean this off because I've recognized it, but I'm like, well, yeah, I'm better at, you know, getting our insurance done or paying the bills or, and then you wind up doing everything, cleaning the house, doing the laundry, doing all the bills. And then you have this resentment. Yeah. And, and your, your coffee cup has no purpose because you can't contribute. Cup. Right. Yes. And then we get upset when they're like, all you do is stay in the garage or whatever. And it's yeah. like, well, that's what you've relegated. You me do. Yeah. <laughs> to cover everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that was me. That was me, Gina. We might be twins separated at birth because exactly <laughs> what I was doing. And um, it, it, it's actually, it feels kind of vulnerable to yeah start receiving graciously but also amazing it's an indescribable feeling because it takes uh it actually takes some courage to to trust right to trust that your husband is going to um like i don't know manage the finances for you right like you're like what if he messes up my credit or um what if he makes a bad investment we lose money or uh, or, you know, what if he's harsh to the kids or there's a lot of things uh, that were the well, I, I used to do it because I, I it started because I was trying to show love. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. So it yeah. started because I was like, you're not really good at figuring out how to file all that stuff. So let me do it. But but then it never got relegated. And then so it actually a lot of the, I remember because I this is a pattern that I'm aware of from all of my big relationships, like, you know, I'll be the center of the hub of communication and information. Oh, I'll, I'll pay, I'll pay your insurance and I'll figure, and I'll, and I'll sign you up for this and that. And it was something that I remember doing out of kind love because I'm more on the computer more and things like that, but then it did snowball into something that wasn't a yin and a yang. So this is such a good point you bring up. Like you did it with the best of intentions, loving intentions. You were just trying to help. And, um, and that happened to me too. And I just did not realize that helpful in wife language or girlfriend language is the same as critical in husband language. Like they get really hurt and defensive when, um, I know for my husband, it's like, he, he wants the opportunity to be my hero. Like he, and when I'm trying to help him, you know, it's really kind of like with Kathy and Doug where like he knew she didn't think he was capable of handling that phone bill. It was kind of a way of saying like, I don't think you're smart enough to do it. Right. And so no wonder he was, he thought that was so nice that she trusted him. Yeah. Uh, and then that, so that was where the work was for me. Cause I, I think if you asked me in back in the day, I would have said like, of course I respect my husband. I mean, except for the way he drives and the way he dresses and I don't think he eats very healthy. Right. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I think it's a really great motto for moving forward to just being really aware of everything and then learning new skills. And, you know, where do you get them, you know, for the empowered wife? 
Yeah, you can get them in the Empowered Wife. I talk about them every week on the Empowered Wife podcast also. Um, and, you know, we have, of course, programs to help women implement the skills that came out of women reading the books and saying, I need help implementing these skills. And so I was like, and I, and I kind of felt the same way, you know, even though I've been practicing them a long time. It's interesting. Like if I don't talk to other women about this stuff, like my marriage isn't as shiny as I like to have it be now. So I was really noticing like, Oh, you know, I need this as much as anybody else. So, uh, so anyways, that's why it's good that I have this job, right? Cause I get to continue <laughs> To talk and share about it and keep my marriage shiny and amazing. Well, I just want to thank you for all your dedication to bringing people together and working on relate. You work on relationships, which is everybody needs this. Everybody works up. You know, this is something we all have or all should have, or we're, you know, a tribe and we're humans and we love interaction with others. And, you know, you're right. We just haven't really been informed. A lot of us haven't been informed. And so, we appreciate your your full dedicated work to you know upping the skills of people so they can have a joyous life is which the bottom line that we all want for everybody. Thank you so much, Gina. It's really Thank a pleasure you. to get to do this. Oh, we you. appreciate your time today, Laura. And you can find her book on so many places: Audible, Amazon, bookstores, New York Times bestseller, Laura Doyle. Thank you. Thank you, Gina. Wishing you all well. Bye. Oh, yes.